Yo, 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 what is going on? Your correspondent, John Ross Marcus Cox, coming at you today here to discuss last night's, uh, what I'm supposing will, will be the final gubernatorial debate here in Kentucky, hosted by Philip Middlesborian, Middlesborian Matt Jones at Kentucky Sports Radio. And I've had some people send me a message today asking me my thoughts on it. Um, and just overall reactions, who I'm considering voting for, all, all, all that good stuff. So, figured I'd uh, give y'all at least my my two cents on the on the overall situation. Um, again, please you know, like, subscribe, comment on this video, share this video. You can find me on YouTube or Rumble as far as video podcasts go, and then basically any audio platform: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio. You got, you got all, the, all, the, all that good stuff. So make sure you go check me out on there. So, yeah. So last night, Alan Keck, the mayor from Somerset, Ryan Quarles, our Kentucky's current agriculture, agricultural commissioner, Kelly Kraft, um, who is Donald Trump's previous advisor uh, or ambassador to the U.N., um, and Mike Harmon, who served, I think, 12 years in our state legislature and then has, has been our, I think, our auditor or something now in state of Kentucky. You know, all came together for a debate with, uh, so with Matt Jones. And, and I actually, so I think Matt, I think Matt's doing great work. I mean, you know, he's, he's definitely a Democrat. I think he's more of an, you know, a Kentucky Democrat 20 years ago than he is a Democrat of 2023, but I don't think he, uh, sees it that way. Um, but I think he tries, tries, you know, real effing hard to, you know, be fair in those situations. And he's trying to, you know, he know he knows his listener base. He knows that he's, he's no, he wasn't trying to alienate anybody. Or I think he legitimately, you know, legitimately saw that there was no better way to get out. There was no other person better set to for the reach to give these candidates the reach that he that he was able to, and honestly may have. Hurt overall hurt Bashir's chance of reelection by doing the debate, but I, I I just think that he legitimately believes that discussions in public square matter. So you know, kudos to to Matt um, for doing that. Um, so yeah, so this this morning I had a couple people that messaged me and said, you know, asked me you know what I thought and what my thoughts are on the race, you know that kind of thing. And I'm gonna be a hundred percent. Honestly, when I say this, like when it comes to the, to our governor race, mostly I'm kind of like just meh. <laughs> I mean, like none of these people really excite me. If I'm being honest, I think I think several of them are real good people. Um, you know, like I've met Corals now several times. I have several friends that know Corals well, and I know he's been working his behind off getting around to all the you know, in all, in all the rural counties and, um, and campaigning and all that, all that good stuff. Seen him at several Lincoln Day dinners, all that. Same goes for Harmon. I mean, I love had a lot of people tell me Mike Harmon's like salt of the earth type dude. Um, you know, Alan Keck seems to be very energetic, full of ideas and actually like is put in the work to think about what he, you know, where he stands on issues, you know, and then obviously Kraft's got definitely got the most war chest, most money there to be able to to be able to put forth a you know a winning campaign against against uh, Governor Bashir. 
you know, and then we have Daniel Cameron who wasn't there last night. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I'm at a whole lot of political events. I mean, a lot of them. And the one that I see the least, actually, I'm honest, I've never seen him at a thing I've been at. I never shook the dude's hand. You know, all these, every single one of these other ones have been at multiple events I've been to. Shook hand, I've shook hands with them. I've, talk, I've, I've spoke to them. We probably recognize each other's faces now. Um, you know, I, I think that's important because, again, if there's one, there's one glaring, you know, warning sign or red flag when it comes to Andrew Cameron, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's the ties to big R Republicans, you know, and this, this whole idea that, you know, they're, you're above the rank and file, you know, that you're, you're above that getting out and shaking hands and meeting people and, uh, you know, that you're, that he's just resting on his laurels for the, with the McConnell machine and let's not me digging out. I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know. I don't know the dude. Never gotten a chance to know, to, to get to know him. But the, all, you know, these other ones, you know, I will say this when it comes to craft, I do know her running mate, Max Wise, fairly, you know, fairly well worked with him. And, uh, if you'd asked me this last session, I'd have told you he, it was a, he was a problem. But after this one, it's, you know, like I'm, he's, he's definitely a good, definitely a good politician. Definitely knows how to talk to people, you know? And so like, you know, like, and, but from at least my interactions with him, he seemed to be more honest with me than not, you know, but like I said, I'm not, you know, there's people out there that have much more history, much longer histories and, uh, much more experience dealing with him, in, in, you know, specifically, but, you know, I, I don't have any quarrels with him as far as my own personal interactions with him go. Um, but, you know, several things came up during the debate, and it's, uh, I'm going to lead, I'm going to kind of lead with this one since it's 420, I'm going to give it out, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give, a little, give a shout out to the fact that it is 420 date is the day that we're supposed to talk about marijuana. So let's just go ahead and you jump off talking about that. And so medical marijuana was obviously something that came up um, you know, during the debate. And the only person really that had anything, in my opinion, to say about it was Alan Keck. And he, you know, his main thing was just cracking down on big, on, on big pharma. And like, I'm going to, what I'm about to say, it doesn't have as much to do with the, with the debate last night. But it does because none of them. I don't know that any that any of these people that are running really understand the context of how these all these issues affect the average Kentucky person and what and what's going on in the legislature and all that. Okay, so in my opinion, this this as far as medical marijuana goes, I don't necessarily know. I don't have a problem with people using medical marijuana. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I think there's definitely plenty of science or evidence out there to show that it helped. It's helping people with PTSD and all, all kinds of that kind of all that stuff. But I do think that it is that it isn't sincere. I'm, I'm gonna try to pull up a see if I can find. I had a little uh, I had a chart to show you guys on what it looks like across the country here. I'm pulling it up right now. So I'm going to show you a photo of states across the country that are that have weed legalized, whether it be medical marijuana or 
just straight up recreational use. Give me a second here to get the pull up. I don't know why it won't pull up for me. Well, I'll get the pull up eventually. And so, but to me, that's that's the biggest thing about it. Is my problem with medical marijuana is this: it's only going to enrich big big pharma more. So I think that the big pharmaceutical companies see another cash cow, one that hasn't even been a big begun to be tapped into yet, and they're fighting against. Yeah, this this uh, rare in instance where you have like the Christian conservative right and like the big business Democrats fighting together to suppress an industry because they want big pharma to make all the money off of it. And so look, here's the question I like I, I like to pose, and it's just happened in Louisville here. Which is which is my child my child one of my children, let's say my three year old for instance more likely to to accidentally abuse. Going to a friend's house and seeing some weed gummies laying on the on the on the coffee table and picking one up and munching on it, which are crazy like crazy potent. Okay, it's not like they dial these things back. I mean, some of these gummies are like, I mean, they get you high if you know what I'm saying. Some most of us don't know what I'm saying, but okay. But are they more likely to pick up a little gummy bear or like pick up a blunt, sit in an ashtray, and smoke it or eat it? I mean, even my three-year-old son, as dumb as a three-year-old is, ain't going to pick up a blunt and start munching on it or grab a blunt and a lighter and learn how to know how to smoke it and inhale it. Okay, so there's that. Then there's also just the thing, and this is where someone like, you know, Alan Keck, I would expect him to come at it from this angle. And I don't think we have to legalize recreational marijuana in order to decriminalize it. Okay, I'm fine with locking up people selling it in large quantities, trafficking it. But I do think there's an argument out there to be had to decriminalize it to where like every black dude on every black dude that gets pulled over in the West End or in Appalachia with a joint in his glove compartment catching some catching a charge and ca being a felon. You know, and I, that's the that's the conversation I don't hear anybody talking about. We keep talking about, like, the hopelessness of East Kentucky, the hopelessness of the hood up here in Louisville, but we're not talking about the, the causes of it, whether it be cultural or social or whatever. But the, the, the illegality of marijuana possession certainly is not helping those problems, and I don't know, I don't think there's any way to stomp it out. And the libertarian media doesn't really care. Okay? Again, lock up the drug dealers. But you can't be... Homeboy can't be catching a charge every time he gets pulled over without you know, because he's got a tail light out. And you find a joint, you know, or a dime, or a dime bag in his, in his luck apartment. Now he's a felon and can't get a job. He's got kids. Now he can't pay child support. Now he's in the deadbeat daddy section in the newspaper. Yada, yada. Uh, but it's like I don't hear that conversation going on with anybody. It's just like, are you in agreement? Or, it, it seems very vanilla, you know. Like it's just a very like this is a topic where somebody can have some flair, and they're not. They're just being average Joe, and th it's like that ain't gonna win here. You got to differentiate yourself. Okay, so that that was that was that was one of the issues. 
some other stuff that came up. For instance, let's talk about sport, you know, sports betting, sports gaming. I mean, this is another one where a candidate could have used this as a way to differentiate themselves. And, I mean, the, the responses were pretty, I mean, it was like they were trying to get through the question as quick as they could. You know, I think you know, someone talked about how it does impact the poor the most, and I think that's, you know, sports, sports betting, gray machines, all that, lottery. They all, they all do affect the poor the most, and if there's any one argument against any of it being illegal, it's that. Okay, because, I mean, listen, that's why I don't, even, I don't like the lottery because of that. I mean, especially when you use the lottery to fund things like keys, money, and education, because then you basically need more and more people or, or at least more and more monies to be spent on those things. So it's like a vice tax. That's, you're using a vice tax to fund non-vice spending. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make, any, it doesn't make any, any sense to me. Okay, but here's where I think we've missed, someone missed the, bi like the biggest way they could have differentiated themselves in this Republican primary. Sports gaming and gray machines really offer a candidate a great opportunity to say, I am not a big R country club establishment type Republican. Okay, if there's a re if there's a you can you can be for sports gaming and still be against the bill that just passed, HB five fifty seven. Because as of right now in Kentucky, everybody thinks it's legal, okay? But it's only legal at horse tracks, North Kentucky Speedway, and online, okay? So, like, basically, you already have to be an established business in Kentucky. You got to be Churchill Downs, Keeneland, North Kentucky Speedway, which I guarantee is probably controlled by same people that own Churchill. I mean, I don't know if sure, but I, just bet, they're, I bet they're the same. They're the same parties. Let's put it like that. Okay, if I if I was a candidate, I'd have been like, if I'm if we're going, let's let's say sports betting's already a foregone conclusion. It will not only be allowed by the people that are already the elite, in the elite class. For those that don't know, we have a huge unemployment crisis and job crisis in places like Eastern Kentucky. How about we? I mean. Let's give a redneck a chance to maybe uh, start a business here. Maybe they can build an app for sports betting. Maybe they want to start a little sport. Maybe they maybe they don't want to be a bookie and be illegal. They want to start a sports betting business. Nope. Got to be Churchill Downs. Same goes for these gray machines. So HB 594 this past session, and if I was a candidate, I would, have, I would know this and I would be talking about it. Okay, they just banned what's called a gray machine, which is, you know, basically you know, what these slot type machines that you'd see in the back of a seven eleven or, you know, down at the you know, down at your local bar, down at your little dive bar or whatever. They banned those. But you know what they didn't ban? What they call historical horse racing, which is the same stinking thing, but it's at Churchill Downs. But it's at Keeneland. So I mean sports gaming and the banning of gray machines, all it, all the, all the main purpose they served was they used public sentiment as a way to enrich the already enriched, taking money out of the low, 
Seven Eleven got Seven Eleven owners hands, local mom and pop dive bar. Can't have, now you can't have these anymore. Churchill still gets to have them. Tell me how that's okay. And then I would have inter I would have intertwined that with HB five, and this uh, tax carve out for the bourbon industry that got a that got a tax exemption back in like two thousand eleven solely because of this bourbon tax that was good, that was about to take effect in a lot of rural counties. It's gonna it was gonna take away it's gonna take away like thirty or forty million dollars from these counties. The only reason the bill got passed 10, 12 years ago is because they, they said they would pay this tax, and now, now they just got it repealed. So Alan, you know, one of Alan Keck's big, one of his big things he talked about was talking about how if you can work in Kentucky, you've got to work. You've got to get off, off your butt and work. What about those three bills? Just made it easier for somebody in East Kentucky or the West End to get a, to get a job to work. They made it easier for you to blow whatever money you're getting if you can get to Churchill. It's enriched big pharma to where if you're if you're on disability now you can go chase one of these medical ID cards to get to get your weed. You got something else you can spend that on. Spend money on that. But if we're not, we didn't ban gray machines. We banned them for normal people. We're allowing the elites to continue doing it. Maybe if they weren't in limbo and people knew they could, okay, I can, I can legitimately start a business based on these gray machines without having to worry about it getting shut down in a year because they're legal. Maybe a redneck would have started some kind of business. Maybe it would have been a little trashy at first. But new industries are ugly at the start sometimes. Some girls don't like boys like me. Oh, but some girls do. You know what I'm saying? Something else that came up a ton was woke ideology in schools. Or at least they tried to make this come up a lot. But it became clear to me that everyone, so Ke you know, Kelly Craft's talking about dismantling the Department of Education. And I'll give her credit for that. But I, I've seen nothing in her actions, I mean, because she hasn't really had a position but to do this, that shows me that she's really got the cojones to, to totally dismantle the Department of Education. I mean, her tone on the issue alone may be enough to Sway my vote, I don't know. We'll see. But none of these people really, really are wanting to dig into this stuff. They're as bad as Manila as it possibly can be on it. Yes, it's in schools. Yes, we want to stop it. You know, but none of them are bringing up the fact that they think it's awesome that we just passed a bill saying that little boys can't use little girls' bathrooms, bringing up the fact that our U.S. House just passed a bill to say they couldn't either. Or hammering Joe Biden for the fact that he's trying to circumvent the law through Title IX and make it to where you lose all this money, all this federal funding in schools if you don't allow boys to use the girls' bathrooms. And then Andy Bashir supports that. None of them are not saying that, but none of them are saying that, if you, get them, if you know what I'm saying. 
I think I, here's why I think I think it's because it's hard like people to dig into it. You got to be in the trenches in it. You got to be you got to be seeing it you know firsthand. You know, n- none of them, none of them brought up the ridiculousness of the fact that JCPS is suing social media companies, including TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. I mean, I want everybody to think about the like. To me, that's just it's just lunacy. Now, I'm not saying I love these companies. Okay, but like they should be going here and hammering school boards for saying they're suing these companies for contributing to the mental health crisis America's youth are facing. They, JCPS just filed a resolution that, that alleges these companies have designed their platforms to maximize the time you spend using them and addict youth to their platforms, which in return has been harmful to the mental, behavioral, and emotional health of, the, of youth and is associated with increased rates of depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, eating disorders, and suicide. I would be hammering over this saying, what on God's green are you talking about? You shut down schools for, in JCPS, two years. We should be, we should be suing them. They should be all be getting impeached. But we're not, they're not talking about that. Okay, I think everybody looks to Florida and sees what sees what DeSantis is, DeSantis is doing and the, his approval ratings and all that. They see what Trump did and how he got elected, but none of them want to trust the process. Okay, and trust that if they just say, if they do the right thing and actually believe it. First of all, you got to believe it. If you're going to say the stuff Trump says or DeSantis says, you got to believe it. Or stuff I say, you got to believe it. But they they seem to be ag- like agreeing with all, but when it comes to pushing them to shove and it comes to driving it home every single day and being stubborn about it, none of them want to do it. They all want to be nice guy. Listen, we already got Andy Bashir. He's the superest nice guy, uh, the biggest goober on the planet. We need a tough, no-nonsense, like, governor who's going to play quarterback and going to set the tone. Because in my opinion, that's really what a governor is supposed to do. A governor's supposed to set the tone for the state. They don't enact laws. They don't pass legislation. They don't raise taxes. They don't lower taxes. They literally are the face of the state to get to tell you what is most important and to tell the legislature what to get their butts in, in, in gear to go do. Gun control came up. Gun control came up because this mass shooting that occurred in Louisville here couple weeks back and y'all all of them when they were asked if they support future gun or you know future gun you know future gun restrictions they say they all say no but that none of them none of them were emphatically like absolutely not just because there's people out here that are doing bad things i mean we take away constitutional rights from the 99.999 percent of law-abiding citizens Now there is one law here that I'm, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even sure. So we have a law in Kentucky that states if a gun is if a gun's confiscated in a crime or whatever, then it has to be sold at auction and then the money, the proceeds go to, go back to into the police fund. There's a whole lot of fighting going on around around that around that state law. And I'm gonna be honest, unless the gun that's committing the crime that's confiscated from the 
from the perpetrator has it has a, another owner if it's owned by the by that by the criminal i don't care if you dismantle it and bury it i don't care but if somebody else owns it and they stole it you got to give it back to the owner it's stolen property even if it is their parents okay anybody who's got kids knows you can't keep your kids from getting everything Okay, they could have brought up when it came to gun gun control. Some there's some states wanting to enact uh, required gun control classes in K through 12 schools. I'm sure it was high, you know, higher like high schools or middle school or something. But like, I don't think it's like they want sex ed in third grade classes. So why not put a gun ownership class in the high schools? I don't see anything wrong with that. But you got to be controversial about something. You're, we're not going to beat Andy Bashir by being milk toast. We're just not. He's about as milk toast as possible. I mean, I think my nine-year-old son could whoop him. I really do. I think that. His wife has bigger biceps than he does. He wears, like, the socks with the navy blue ring at the top, two, two rings at the top. That's, that's, who, that's who Andy Bashir is. So bottom line is this. None of the candidates, in my opinion, seem very in, real seem very interested at all in winning the culture war. And anybody listening to the show knows that like as far as Kentucky goes, the importance of, the, of this state in this United States of America and the Union. We're the gateway of the West. We're the, one of the pioneer states. If we lose the culture war here, it is gone, brother. It's gone. He gone. So that's what I want to see from, from the government. Whoever I'm voting for as governor. Somebody who's out there, not just like DeSantis and, you know, and being loud and, and punching back hard, but I want it to be somebody who looks Kentucky. I'm like very weird about this. I just want somebody who looks, sounds, talks, walks, breathes, sleeps, Kentucky. And I, it's like, I don't really know what I mean by that. I just think some of those deals like the Supreme Court, like you know when you see it. And I think I don't, you know, I don't feel that way. You know what I mean? Like, I just, one thing I'd hoped with Alan Cake was I was going to get this kind of this Eastern Kentucky swagger in a, you know, in, from a candidate. And I ain't saying he ain't got that, but again, like, I don't think he got that. I want somebody who's got a little, you know, who uh, enunciates a little less. Somebody who's just like loud and proud Kentucky. I don't care if you're from the hood or from the holler. It's what you be Kentucky. Kentucky just as hood as it is holler. I'm just telling y'all. And I'm hoping to have some guests on here here in the next week or so to get back to the original mission of this podcast when it first started a little over a year ago, bringing communities together and specifically African American and Appalachian, you know, white American together and sometimes black and white, both Appalachian, whatever. But just bringing communities together and talking about how we're and showing you how we're not that different. But, you know, I just, I don't hear conversations being talked about, you know, like 
in depth enough and with enough with enough um passion to make me think any of these dudes is going to get out there and really fight. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, if there's one thing our Republican legislature needs, it needs a general out there saying, like, yo, get out there and take care of the Department of Education. Get this bullshit out of our schools. We need a governor that's going to get up and say, like I've been saying all the time, don't just say you can't limit church attendance any more than Walmart. I want it in the I want it in Kentucky law. I want it to say this: even if there is black a black plague fountain in the congregation hall, you can still go to church. That's what I wanted to say in Kentucky law. I don't care if that's ridiculous. That's what that's what Kentucky people feel. Black Kentuckians, white Kentuckians, poor ones, rich ones. Church is supposed to be untouchable. I want somebody to get up here and say, uh, why aren't we talking about SB 115 that just didn't pass? This adult performance bill that was going to say if he's doing drag stuff and any of these other adult-oriented performances in any business, you are immediately an adult-oriented business. I don't care. If you only have one a month as a coffee shop, then you need to make that decision. Is that one drag queen story hour you're having bringing in enough business to where if you lose the other 99% of it, it you can still operate? If the answer is no, then you need, to, you need to cut it out. I want a governor willing to say that. And I'm just almost at the point where, like, if we're not going to get that, then this... Bashir versus our Republican legislature, that feud and that, like, wanting to get one over on him, I'm think it's like, in my, my heart of hearts, I feel like that's all, that we get, we're benefiting more from that clash than we are from, you know, get it, like, what we're going to get, the apathy we're going to get from controlling all three branches of government, or I guess, not, not all three branches, but both, both houses of our legislature and the, ex and the executive branch. So I don't know. I told you I'd give you all my opinion on it. And, you know, that's about, that's about all I got. Just about as bland and, like, uneventful, uninformative, uninformative as possible. I mean, they're all decent. I mean, they all seem like pretty good people. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know Quarles and Harmon and Keck. I know for a fact. I know for a fact they are. I've met them several times, and... Their people work hard. You know what I mean? Like, I know enough people that know Cameron that think Cameron's a really good guy. But, again, like, I don't know. I try to base things off my own personal interactions with people, and I try to put in the work to get to have some personal interactions with people. I've never had any with him. But I know a lot of good people in the conservative movement, the grassroots movement, that think the world of, of Daniel Cameron. And so, therefore, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, give him credit for that. But I mean, push him to shove. I just don't. I don't know that any of it really matters. I don't. I mean, like I saw some today, and that Bashir had a sixty-three percent approval rating. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like none of these other dudes are given or and gals are given anybody anything to really get behind. I mean, you got to get a redneck's blood blood pumping, 
if you wanted some black people from the hood to vote for you as a as a white Republican, you got to give them a reason. You got to be different. You got to shake stuff up. And I don't see any of these any of these any of these people doing that. That's just my assessment. Take it for what take it for what it is. So, all right. Well, listen. That's all I got for you today. Just want to give you a little quick, my little quick summary on the on the debate. Hopefully, I'll be back at y'all here next couple of days with a with another one. Appreciate y'all listening. Again, this is the Way Too Much JMT Podcast. And this is your uh, humble correspondent, John Ross Marcus Cox. And thanks a lot, and y'all have a great rest of your week.